government, uh, for them to go to the government, the Congress more specifically, in case of a nuclear um, attack. And so the government was going to go to this hotel and go inside the bunker. And so in order to hide it, they built this this big kind of uh, assembly hall where conventions would come. And said the, the quote in the article says this, in the 30 years, thousands of people walked in and out of a secret bunker, not knowing that they were in a nuclear bunker. This was part of the original design. You know, people did start asking questions like, why is there a 7,000-foot landing strip for a town of 3,000 people? Uh, but those answers were not satisfied until the Washington Post exposed this hiding place in 1992. You know, every refuge has its weakness. No doubt there are others that we don't know about right now uh, where our government would go and where they would be in case a nuclear bomb, uh, a nuclear attack would, would occur. All of Congress would be, in, in this case, in the case of the Greenbrier, they would have been in this um, ventilated area, sealed off by a sealed door, a steel reinforced door uh, with a special ventilation system. That sounds like misery to me, to be like stuck with Congress underground. I think I would take my, my risk outside. But the, the uh, idea of a hiding place, the idea of a refuge, a fortress, uh, these things all have limitations and exposure. And that's one of the reasons why Psalm 91 is maybe the most popular and beloved scriptures in the Bible. I mean, I have, I have read these scriptures in a variety, a variety of places, uh, in hospitals, in the place where hospice is occurring, uh, hospice care is occurring, uh, at, at, at funerals. And we're always drawn back to Psalm 91. And I think it's a psalm of confidence. I mean, we need that. Like we, we, we want this confidence that we're going to be okay. And we want that confidence for ourselves. And we want that confidence for our children and grandchildren. And it is true that the presence of God really is our confidence. Like that's what we can count on. And that's what I want you to, to understand and believe today. The title of my message is uh, In the Shadow... And, and this scripture tells us, like, if you need God to be a fortress, if you need for him to be a mountain, he'll be that for you. If you need for him to be shade to you, God will be that to you also. Christians who trust in God will find security and protection because the safest place to be in the world is under the shadow of the Almighty the presence of God is our safe place. My dad set up a, a company, I may have told you about this before, um, that cleaned Vena hoods. And he set up this little company and then he gave it over to me and I was able to go to restaurants and clean Venta hoods. That's the place that gets all the grease from the food that's cooked. And I would hire my friends and manage that and after I paid them and all the bills, you know, a couple months out of the year, I made enough money for my expenses in college and, and late high school and college. So it was a nice deal. So since dad oversaw all of that, me and my illustrious crew of buddies that I would hang out with, you never knew when he would show up. He'd just show up and check in. I mean, it was like touching base. He would show up and want to make sure we're working. 
that, that's a leadership principle, isn't it? That you, you can't really lead unless you have some presence. You don't want to have too much presence. You don't want to have uh, no presence at all. But if you're a teacher, you know teachers that the vice principal is going to come down the hall sometime and just kind of check on the class, make sure you're doing okay. If you're parents of teenagers, please stick your head down into the basement and check on them every once in a while. As a parent of teenagers, we, we, I want you to do that. You need to touch base, check in, right? This is, this is a principle that is positive and it's good in some cases. Spiritually, though, some of us have a mindset of we're going to check in with God. We're going to check in with God. In fact, Sunday morning is a good time to do that, right? I'm going to live my life on my own, and then I'll just check in with God on Sunday morning or, or, or occasionally. And while I suppose that's better than nothing, like keep doing that, keep checking in. That's not ideal. If, if, you're, if you're coming to church at any point, we're happy you're here. There are some people who only come to church on Christmas Eve and Easter, and we're glad to have them. We're there to serve them. But someone gave me this term recently, and those people are called creasters. Christmas Eve and Easter, the creasters show up. Now, the key is don't tell that joke when they show up, right? You don't want to do that. That's a, see, this is time change Sunday. This is a good time to bring that joke out. Because you're the faithful people. You lost an hour of sleep and you're at church. So we can talk about the creatures. We won't do that when they're actually here because we want them here. That's why we're going to have three Easter services this year because we want to open up the doors for them. But we all, in in our own ways and in different phases of our life, we we have this kind of, let's just check in with God deal. And what we want, what we hope for you, and what I hope for myself is that I'm in friendship with God, and I'm not just checking in with him. I'm not just touching base with God. Like, he's, he's integrated into my life. He's part of who I am. This brings me to my first observation about Psalm 91, is we're called to dwell with God. Write it down if you're taking notes. The one who lives under the protection of the Most High dwells in the shadow of the Almighty. He doesn't just check in with the Almighty. That's that whole idea of foxhole conversions, like, oh, I'm about to die. I want to check in with you, God. And God's so loving and gracious, he actually often responds at that time because he's, he's more gracious than we are. So it's always the right time to talk to the Lord. It's always the right time to reach out to God. So if you're in trouble and you haven't talked to God in a while, go ahead and do it. But I just, as, we, as we're living out this faith in him, as we're living out this, this life with him, we don't want to be people who just touch base with the Lord. We want to dwell with the Lord, right? Dwell. That, that word dwell, it, it says a lot. It feels right. It feels good. It's a word of companionship. It means, another version, say abide. Um, the word live, it also communicates to spend the night with. This idea of, you know, usually when we, we go to another town, we, we only stay with people we're really comfortable with. A lot, a lot of times that's the case until this Airbnb thing, and then we pay people we don't know and we're not comfortable with to take over their homes. But even when we stay with people, you don't really, you don't really 
feel comfortable with someone until you have refrigerator rights. Like you can walk to the refrigerator without asking, right? And God wants us to have that. Like that's part of dwelling. We want to have refrigerator rights with God. It's like, like we're, we're just... We're just in friendship with him, right? We're just in relationship. It's just natural. And we're dwelling with him. That's where safety comes in. The safest place you can be and your children can be is in the presence of the Lord. Being aware of his presence. Inviting his presence into your life. Not just, in, not just checking in with him. Not just touching base with God to make sure you're going to heaven. Because we, we want to get beyond that mindset anyway, right? We, we know we're going to heaven because of what Jesus did. But in friendship with him, in relationship with him, some of you may have heard this phrase, Shaddai or El Shaddai. Thank you, Amy Grant. We know something in Hebrew because of you. You're, if you're, you're 50 years and older, you know that joke, what that meant. Shaddai. Either that or if, you're, if you had a mom who, was, who liked Christian music in the 80s, like you, Jessica. Okay. You guys are acting like I've insulted people. Come on, people. Now, Shaddai means the Almighty. El Shaddai means God the Almighty. This, this is a term used in Genesis and Job and here also in Psalm 91.1. And it, it, it strongly associates with the mountain. God's a mountain. He's a... He's a El Shaddai, the God Almighty. He's he's strong. He's dependable. Let me ask you this. Do you need God to be a mountain in your life? That stability, that strength, somewhere to hide, that escape. He'll be that strong, dependable mountain. Or do you need God to be a shade, a shadow for you? Something that is refreshing. Something that cools you off. Something that is gentle. It's a covering. You know, shade is not intimidating, right? It just kind of comes when we need it. We find shade and it, it protects us from the elements. God can be whatever you need when you abide with him. God, you're my mountain. You're my shade. You're my shadow. I, I, I want you to say, listen, here's a great biblical interpretation of the scripture. Hang out with God and your life will be better. You need a biblical scholar for that? Hang out with the Lord. Invite his presence into your life and see the improvement that happens. The abiding life is the assuring life. When we're with God, we get confidence. We get assurance. And then when we have an assuring life, it's a life without fear. And fear is something we all deal with, but fear is crippling. I love that song, the popular song now, fear is a liar. It is, but it's, it's crippling and it has so much power in our life. But when we hang out with God, we get this assurance and then the fear, the fear begins to leave. And then you know what happens when we're not living in fear? We prosper. Fear causes us to hold back. Fear causes us to hide. Fear keeps us from taking risk. Uh, a lack of fear, we're not confident in the things of the Lord. And so this issue of fear is a big deal because it's keeping you from who God, what God has given you. And, and so it is that a life without fear is a prosperous life. God wants to prosper you. So for some of us, it's, it's interesting, those of us, the suburban Christians were kind of scared of the word prosperous because of the prosperity gospel. So I'm not talking here about you getting a, 
a better car, a better house, because a lot of people who have lots of money are not prosperous. In fact, a lot of people who have money and resources, it actually ruins them. They don't sustain their marriage. They don't sustain their attendance at church. They don't sustain their sacrifice to the community. They just, they just can't handle wealth. I see it happen. All the, I've seen it happen to many people in this church. I know that's judgmental, but I'm just saying that with a pastoral heart here. I hope you hear that. But God wants to prosper you so that when you do have resources, it doesn't mess you up and ruin you. It actually builds the kingdom. He wants to prosper you emotionally. He wants to prosper you in all things relationally so you have a kicktail marriage. Can I just say it? I mean, just like a marriage that like works, man. Wasn't that good? I mean, how much would you pay for that? You can't, you can't, you can't buy this stuff. You got to work on it. You got to ask for God's invitation. But I'm telling you, fear begins to take away all the good gifts of God in your life. He who dwells, he who dwells, he, he who hangs out, she who hangs out with God, he or she who abides, there's a protection. There, there, God's going to be your source. He's going to be your rock. He's going to be your mountain. He's going to be your shade. Guys, this is for every one of you guys. This is not a you missed out. This is it's right before you kind of thing. So, guys, listen, I don't preach to say, you guys have messed up your life. See you in heaven. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that everything is before you. Come on, everything God has for you is right before you right now. And, 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 and how do you get it or how do you obtain it or how do you walk in it? His presence. His presence. His presence is everything that you need. He'll give you everything you need. Here's the second thing, the protection of God. Verse 11, for he will give his angels orders concerning you to protect you in all your ways. Now, let me just say something. There are some really cool angel stories out there. And I, I've experienced some and heard those. And maybe in other days we'll talk about angel stories. But Hebrews chapter 1 tells us, don't really get so into the angels that you forget about Jesus. All the angels are doing is they're doing Jesus' work. And so we got to be careful not to get more excited about angels than we do about Jesus who commissioned the angels. All right, so Jesus stories and angels are, are ministering here. It says they, they will support you with their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone and you will tread on the lion and the cobra. You will trample the young lion and the serpent. Now, this is interesting. The beginning of Psalm 91, the songwriter is talking about the Lord and then in the middle of it, the Lord talks to the songwriter and then at the end of it, it pivots back to the songwriter talking again. Now, here's the Lord talking, verse 14. This is so beautiful. Verse 14, because he has set his heart on me, because he has his heart set on me, excuse me, I will deliver him. I will protect him because he knows my name. When he calls out to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and give him honor. Now this is a beautiful concept of God's relationship with his people. Look at verse 14. At the end of verse 14, because he knows my name. This is emphasizing a friendship with God, an intimacy with God. This is not talking about like knowing the flashcards about God. Well, he's Jehovah Jireh, he's my provider. He's Jehovah Nisi, my banner. He's Jehovah Rapha, my healer. It's good to know those names and that, that those are really good sermon series and Bible studies. You may have heard them before. If you've been a Christian, you'll hear them again. 
because they're great, but it's not about identifying um, the vocabulary term. It's about knowing the person the term describes. I'm telling you, he's Jehovah Rapha, the God who healed me, because, man, I remember that time I was sick, and I didn't know if I could preach Sunday, and I turned to the Lord, and I, and I preached good that Sunday. He's Jehovah Rapha. Uh, he's Jehovah Jireh because I remember the time when I was out of money and then the Lord, this unexpected gift came. And you see what I'm saying? It's not about just knowing the definition, the vocabulary terms. It's knowing the character behind the terms. And, and there's a friendship with God. And there's a closeness with God. There's, there's, a custom, there's a customized love from the Lord. And so... I want to now talk a little more about Psalm 91 because I just have to bring up a question. Maybe you guys are more spiritual than me, and so you haven't asked this question before. But as I mentioned earlier, I've used this scripture at really, really places of sorrow and places of sickness and places of death. So let me ask you, is it true that God protects us? And, and I, I believe he protects us a lot more than we give him glory for. Like, like, we're going to get to heaven. We're going to get to heaven, and we're going to learn that, like, God has protected us in ways we can't even imagine, like ways we didn't even know. John Calvin, I picked on his followers a, a few weeks ago, but he's a brilliant theologian of hundreds of years ago. He said this. Um, he said, when we look back on our life from the perspective, let's see if we can get that up there, the John Calvin quote. When we look back on our life from the perspective of eternity, we are going to see that the power of Satan was so great that the weakness of our flesh was feeble and that the hostility of the world was so strong that every day of our lives, if God had not intervened, we would have never made it through the day. Isn't that a powerful thought? We're going to get to heaven. We're going to be like, we, we think we're so self-sufficient with all these choices we make, but I think we're going to give God, so much glory in heaven because we have no idea how many times he protected us. But living under the protection of the Lord doesn't mean that we have a life free from trouble. It doesn't mean that we have a life free of conflict. It doesn't mean we have a life free of sickness. It just means he's looking over us. He's looking out for us. And he's gonna help us in every situation. I want to ask a couple of my friends to come up. There, there's some amazing young leaders in our church. Uh, uh, Pastor Josh, you mind coming up? And Jonathan Kidd, you come up too. And is Pastor Aubrey here still? Yeah, come on up, Pastor Aubrey. These are three of my, these are three of my really good friends. And they're younger than me. And um, amazing leaders from everything I know about them. I know them very well. Great husbands. Uh, great fathers. Great spiritual leaders. Josh is on staff at our church full time. Jonathan's one of our leadership board members, and he's done more to invite people to small groups than almost anyone I know. Pastor Aubrey, you already heard him earlier. So these are amazing guys. So like, step on up, fellas. So when the four of us are standing here together, like which one doesn't belong with this group, huh? <laughs> and these guys, they're athletic, they're handsome. They're in style. I mean, y'all look good today. You're not wearing an old man sports coat here. I mean, you're looking good. You guys are in style. So, and, and I play basketball with them um, every, twice a week. 
And I can be honest with you, they're better basketball players than me. I know it's going to surprise you. They're a little more athletic than me, and they're better basketball players. So there's a lot of things, there's a lot of ways you can differentiate these guys than me. There's a lot. But there's one way that I want to differentiate myself that you've not heard of. All three of these guys have left the basketball court injured. And this never happened to me. I'm just saying... I'm just saying that, um, that, that I can handle it. The, the, these guys, you know, um, yeah, I don't want to talk about tomorrow. I'm talking about the past. <laughs> these guys, hey, they may make more shots than I do, but they're calling their little wifeys on the way home. Get the ice pack ready for me. All right, you can sit down, guys. So now, Becker, I wanted to call you up. But, uh, but Becker, Becker's never gone, he's never left hurt either. <laughs> hey, even though you, you, know, you may pray Psalm 91, it doesn't mean you're not going to sprain your ankle in basketball. And this, this is a serious, a serious point here. Here's what, I, what I'm trying to emphasize here. Like God is sovereign. God is providential. And there is an intelligence behind his love. His love is not a formula. His love is not a law, even. His love is a relationship. And he's in a loving relationship with, with us. But a lot of us, we want to use Psalm 91 as a kind of a, a get you, God. We want to use Psalm 91 as a contract. We want to use Psalm 91 as some type of proof God has to give to us. And it's very easy to misapply and misinterpret Psalms 91, especially with its popularity. I know Satan did this himself with Jesus. Look in the Gospels at Luke chapter 4, starting with verse 9. So he, being Satan, took him, Jesus, to Jerusalem, had him stand on the pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, he will give his angels, this is Psalm 91 now, orders concerning you to protect you and they will support you with their hands so that you will not strike the foot against the stone. And Jesus answered him, it is said, do not test the Lord your God. If Jesus didn't test God with Psalm 91, neither should we. So God's protection extends to all who turn to him but contrary to Satan's misinterpretation, we cannot, we cannot test God with a reckless life. We can't test God with reckless behavior. We can't not evaluate the risk and realize that in a free society, I don't want to make you paranoid, but we enjoy our freedom, but our freedom comes with risk and our freedom comes with vulnerabilities. And that's not God's fault. I mean, that's the work of Satan and the work of evil. But, but I'm trying to help you see that Psalms 91 is talking about your relationship, your friendship with God, the fact that he knows your name and he knows who you are. You know, the people we work with, we, we have odd relationships with people we work with. There are times in our life that we spend more time with our coworkers than we do with our children, our spouses, our parents, or whatever the case is. And those relationships, sometimes when they end, maybe often when they end, we, we don't talk to those people anymore. Now, there are occasions, and this has happened to me a lot of times, where people I've worked with have become family to me. 
And, and I, I feel that way with Pastor Aubrey. I'm feeling that way with Josh. It's certainly with Paul and Deborah. They're like family and so forth. But sometimes that relationship as a, with a coworker is just about a, a, a project. Like we're going to work on this project. And when that project's over, we have nothing in common anymore. So I want you to think about this with God. Do you have a a working relationship with God or a family relationship with him? So are you like in this arrangement with God where we're like, God, you have to apply Psalm 91 to me and have to make sure that I don't have any trouble, I don't have any illness, I don't have any challenge, I don't have any, anything in my life, or our relationship is over because, you, God, you're my safety, you're, my, you're, you're, you're kind of like my kryptonite, God. You know, you keep me from the bad stuff in the world. Is it that or is it like, God, you are, you are the one I'm in relationship with. You're, you're, you're the one I'm friends with. See, it's possible, it's biblical that God allows challenging circumstances in our life because like a good parent, out of love, he's developing our character. It's not fun to hear about that when we're going through tough times. But, but it, when we get out of those tough times, we see, okay, God was working. God was working because I'm in relationship with him. I'm in friendship with him. He's a father to me. He's at work in ways that we cannot even see. So it leads me to this third point forever with God. This is, what, this is what Psalm 91 is about. It certainly applies often, often to this life, but it always applies to the life that begins at salvation, eternal life. Eternal life doesn't start when we stop breathing. Eternal life starts when we come to know Jesus. John 17, 3 says that. This is eternal life, to know Jesus, to be in friendship with Jesus, to be in relationship with Jesus. That's what eternal life is. So it is that Psalm 91, verse 16, I will satisfy him with a long life and show him my salvation. Listen, I want for you and I want for me to live a long time. And you know, frankly, life expectancy is so much greater than it, it has been at any other time in humanity. So we all have a chance to live much longer. If you, if you enjoy this life, you're living at the right time because life expectancy continues to grow. And I hope that I get to see great grandkids someday. I hope I do. I hope you do too. But I don't want to be 96 years old and bitter, full of strife and have decades behind me but have no spiritual life. What does it profit a man to gain the world but to lose a soul? What good is it for you to live a long time and make everybody miserable around you as you live? That's not, that's not living at all. That's not living at all. I, mean, I, I want to I love God more. I want to love people more. I, I want to be forever with God. I, I want my relationship and friendship with God to start here and to deepen and to grow and to become richer so that when I cross from this life into eternity, life hasn't stopped. I'm just in a different dimension. I'm in the real dimension now. I'm in the heavenly dimension where the presence of the Lord is. Now, I know the sermon's coming to an end and you never want to give morbid things at the end of a sermon, but here we go. We're at the point. I love Psalm 91. But I got to remind you of something. Every single human being dies. 100% of us. Okay, if you want any exception, 
maybe Elijah and Enoch. But then for you guys who like Revelation, maybe they're the two witnesses. They're going to get it in the future, right? They're the two guys that the whole world will see die in Jerusalem. If you don't know what I'm talking about, don't worry about it, please. <laughs> but all, all this is, it's, just, it's a timing issue, right? It's a timing issue. And we want to do our part to, to stay around as long as possible, right? We, we want to do our part because we're, we're kingdom people. But the wrong interpretation of Psalm 91 is that the good people live a long time and if you die young, you weren't in God's will. I think the American soldier who sacrificed for us would say otherwise. So would Diedrich Bonhoeffer. Diedrich Bonhoeffer died in a Nazi concentration camp. He was a brilliant, brilliant scholar, leading, trying to overthrow the Nazi government. And he died as a very young man. Anne Frank, she's from the Jewish faith, but her writings in hiding have enriched the world. Oswald Chambers, I've read his devotional many, many years. My utmost for his highest, he died at age 43, the age I am right now. More recently, I was inspired uh, through athletics by Reggie White, uh, a Knoxville native who was a great football player, but more than that, he became a Christian statesman and uh, he stood for righteousness and stood in love. When I was a toddler, I don't remember this person, but his music impacted me as a young teenager. Keith Green died young and early, but I was definitely impacted by another CCM artist named Rich Mullins, whose music inspired me through my teenage years and into my 20s uh, before he died uh, tragically. Psalm 91 is not a contract. Psalm 91 is not a working relationship. Psalm 91 is an identifier. It identifies a closeness, a close relationship between a human being and his or her God. So the goal of Psalm 91 is not a risk-free life of protection because we cannot offer that to you. The goal of Psalm 91 is a divine friendship. No matter what you face, when you face unemployment, when you face the doctor's prognosis, when you are facing a child that's rebelling against the gospel, when you face an aging parent that you need to give special care to, when you face the unexpected, when you face the difficult things, your God is going to be your shadow. And your God is going to be your shelter. And you will not succumb to the disease of sin. And you will not come to the serpent who is Satan himself who's coming to attack. You're going to, you're going to stay in the fortress. You're going to stay under the shadow in the presence of God. Nothing you face, you cannot overcome when God is with you. And this is a lifelong, this is a long and satisfying life. A life on this planet and a life into the dimension that's much greater than, than what we experience on planet earth, the dimension of heaven. And we are going to see God fulfill, fulfill his purposes through us, in us, and for us. As I go to Romans chapter 10, I want to invite our ushers to prepare to distribute communion. I want to remind you of this, that every promise of God is fulfilled, some in this life, all in the life to come.
all in the life to come. We can count on his word. We can count on his character. We can count on his faithfulness. We can count on who he is. So we don't despair like people who don't know Christ. We always have hope. We always have heavenly perspective. We always know where the Lord, how the Lord is preparing us for the future. And that's why I pray that in light of all we've spoken about today, that you can read Romans 10, verse 8 through 13 with a fresh perspective. And let me read this over you. The message is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. This is the message of faith we proclaim. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. One believes with the heart, resulting in righteousness, and one confesses with the mouth, resulting in salvation. For the scripture says, I love this phrase, verse 11, everyone who believes on him will not be put to shame. Since there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, because the same Lord of all richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Come on, not the moralistic people, not those who grew up with an orientation for religion, not those who have inherited a family tradition, not those who are born in certain countries. No, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord, not the perfect ones, uh, not, not the disciplined ones, not the ones that have a, relig- a personality that, that is, is quick to receive religion. No, everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord Everyone, that's why Jesus said those who work the field in the 11th hour get the same pay as those who started at the beginning of the day. That's why the prodigal who wasted all of the inheritance and disregarded his house is welcomed back to the kingdom with open arms from the Lord. This is why the Christian message, the gospel, is different than any other religious message in the world because it is for every single one of us. We don't earn it, we receive it. We didn't pay for it, he paid for it. And we come and we worship on Sundays like this and we are in wonder that this story has touched our soul. Let's pray together. Father, as we prepare to go to your table, we thank you for the richness of your scripture. We we thank you that you have marked our society by Psalm 91. As soldiers have have spoken this over themselves in battle, as, as we face fearful situations, as we've sent our kids off to new experiences and we've prayed Psalms 91 over them, all of those are good and appropriate. But Lord, I pray that you take us deeper today. And it's, it's not our contract, it's our relationship with you. It's our friendship with you, your, your nearness, your closeness. We wanna know your name. We wanna know your name. We wanna know you. We wanna call you by name. We want everything that you have. And we thank you for this time to come to communion. Before I conclude this prayer, let me give some instruction. If you're visiting with us, you are welcome to take communion. Um, You'll hold the bread and you'll hold the cup and then I'll come back and lead us in prayer. If for any reason you don't wanna take communion, that's okay. If you're a Christian, sometimes Christians don't choose not to take it and you have the freedom not to. But every single one of us, including me, will repent of our sins before we take the bread and drink the cup. 